All right, welcome to the AdaptX podcast, where we have conversations with individuals who are building accessible businesses, advocating for inclusion, or excelling in adaptive sports. Our intention is never to speak on behalf of those with disabilities, but give them a platform to share their work uh, so we can work towards a more accessible world. Today, we are joined by John and Mark Cronin, the father-son team behind John's Crazy Socks, a social enterprise with a mission to spread happiness. They bootstrapped their business into the world's largest sock store with multi-million dollar revenue, which led to them being recognized with the prestigious Ernst & Young Entrepreneurs of the Year Award. They are fierce advocates for inclusion and have testified twice before the U.S. Congress and spoken at the United Nations. They are sought-after keynote speakers, have recorded two TEDx talks, and are frequent guests on network television. Their company's Giving Back program has donated nearly a million dollars to their charity partners. John and Mark, I can't wait to share your wisdom with our audience. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Bridget. We appreciate you on your podcast. We're excited to be here. Did I? Uh, hopefully the intro did you guys justice. But we'll be talking about one of my favorite topics today, uh, how inclusion is not just an altruistic decision, but a profitable one. Uh, John, I'll go to you first. When did you realize that you wanted to start a business? Uh, I, I want to start a business, and I, I want to sell cricket socks, and what socks? Well, when when did you decide? When where did, were you? When did I what year was it? Uh, 2016. And where were you? Uh, I was at uh, a high school, a high school. I did not. He was in his last year of school. Many of your listeners will know. You can say in the public school system until you turn 21. Yeah. It's the 21-year-old cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because in school, everything's right in front of you. All your classes and therapy. And for many people, that's where they get their food. And it's where they, or some of their meals, and it's daycare. But once you turn 21, you're on your own. And in states, you're in Massachusetts, we're in New York. There may be lots of programs out there, but you have to try to navigate them and figure them out. And then in other states like Texas, Florida, Mississippi, there's nothing. So you were... Yes. Heading for that 21-year-old clip. I did. Trying to figure out what comes after school, right? Right. And what were you looking at? I look at shop, program, and school. I can't find crap that I don't like. He didn't say anything he liked. Yeah. And Brendan, you know what this is like. Many of those programs are, in essence, daycare programs. We'll keep you busy during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, John couldn't find meaningful work. Yeah. Hey, John here. He's a natural entrepreneur. Yes, I am. Yeah, I saw online you uh, quote from you saying that the best way to find a job that you love is to create one. Uh, I love that. That's the same thing, basically, that I did. I started my gym in 2016, so maybe there's a, maybe there was something in the water back there. But how did you uh, choose what product that you want to sell? Well, let's see. First thing was you decided to go into business, right? Yes, I did. And what did you tell me? I want to go to with, uh, with my dad, and I, I want to have a nice father and bed together. So, and then he had a lot of ideas. I do. A lot of ideas. <laughs> what was one of them? One of them is a food truck. Uh, I got idea for the movie called Chef, and uh, one of the actor, and John Farrell. Uh, it's a neat movie about a father and son bonding. A food truck. Yeah, actually, I've seen that. A food truck. (laughs) Very Mm -hmm. cool, right? Everybody loves eating at a food truck. And 
we thinking what could we make? Where would we put it? But we we ran into a problem. Oh, we can't cook. <laughs> but then, right before Thanksgiving, you had your eureka moment. I yeah, they did. I I want to start creating socks. Why socks? It's fine. It's colorful. It's creative. It's always let me be me. I want crazy socks my whole life. We used to drive around looking for these socks. In fact, I remember going to a place in Orleans out on the Cape where they had some crazy socks that you picked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we figured, okay, if John loved them this much, surely other people would too. And we yeah. can find those people, right? Red Dad. Yeah, absolutely. I know you guys have thousands of designs and I've never been in the in the retail product e-commerce space, but how do you find that balance between I know the more SKUs you have, the more designs you have, the harder it is to scale and kind of make things um, repeatable. So did you kind of make any decision like, oh, maybe we should narrow down our focus or do you like the plethora of different designs? Well, you are right. There is a trade-off. Um, the more SKUs you have, the more space you need. Um, what we have found is that it's the choice that matters to our customers. We don't really have any best-selling socks. Mm. You know, there's no like one or two pair that everybody buys. You know, frequently in a business, and you may find this in your business, the 80-20 rule applies where 20% of your products account for 80% of your revenue. Ours, it's much more balanced. Um, so there is a trade-off. We do monitor it closely, and if things stop, don't sell, we don't get them again. We'll get new items. Um, but the choice matters, and, and how many different socks do we have? Uh, we have four different kinds of, uh, four thousand. A two kind of sock. And here's the cool thing, Brent. That means John here, he owns the world's largest sock store. <laughs> I was going to say, how do you even come up with 4,000 designs? <laughs> well, everybody contributes. You know, and that's a, a way where diversity is really important. No one person can pick socks for every customer out there. So we, everybody here contributes. In picking different socks, we track trends that are out there, um, and we listen to our customers. Customers always come up with ideas. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I know I kind of glanced over it, but maybe for our listeners who aren't familiar, Mark, can you give me a little bit of insight into the nature of the business, uh, the inclusive practices of hiring, uh, kind of the structure of the business? Sure. You know, we could... You know, we, we told you where the idea came from. We could always tell you the origin story, which, uh, you know, just sort of with just the two of us. But so John's Crazy Socks is a slightly different type of business model. We're a social enterprise. We have both a social and a business purpose, and they feed off of each other. And what's our mission? Spread happiness. Spread in happiness. That drives everything we do. That's our. That's the criteria for everything we do, and and what do you say are the keys to happiness? It's gratitude and do for others. Gratitude, do for others. That permeates everything we do, and we've built the business on five pillars. It's and hope, 
give it back, find price you can love, make it, make it personal, make it clear to work. So, you know, quickly, <clears throat> make it a great place to work. If we're going to spread happiness, we have to start at home. People have to be happy working here. They have to feel valued and respected. They have to have autonomy. We want to put them in a position to succeed. So that's really important to us. Making it personal in retail, particularly in e-commerce, it's easy to go chasing transactions. We're trying to build a community. We're trying to build relationships. So we're always looking for ways to make things personal with our customers. And that affects everything we do. Now, if you call here, you never get voice trail. You're going to talk to a human. There's no scripts. We don't listen in on the phone calls. You're going to have an actual human conversation. Good chance person who answers that phone is going to be the mama bear, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> our packaging, you know, we don't just send you socks. When you get a package from us, it's got John's smiling face on the outside. <laughs> and what do you put in every package? Every package, I think it's enough for me, and I think it's enough. Well, thank you, note that John writes, we put candy in every package, and you see a picture with the name, uh, the picture and name of the person who packed your order. And there's a discount code in there, too. So you're not just getting socks. You get a little dose of happiness. Um, we're always looking to drive that connection. I'll give you a little anecdote. Um, we sell socks for diabetics. And one day, one of our happiness packers yes. comes to us and says, you know, we're sending socks to diabetics and we're sending them candy. What's wrong with that picture? Mm -hmm. So now we have a supply of sugar-free candy. And if you order socks with diabetics, we, we ship you them. <laughs> Fun products you can love. Who has to approve every product? I do. <laughs> it's got to spread happiness. But there's another part to that. We have to deliver the goods. Right? We have to have a great website. We have to have great selection. The products have to be great. We have over 30,000 five-star reviews. And the service has to be great. We do same-day shipping. We do better shipping than Amazon. And Jeff Bezos over at Amazon, mm -hmm. he's not putting a thank you note and candy in those packages. I do that. Right, you mm -hmm. do. Um, we'll do anything we can to connect with that customer and really delight them. Um, and then giving back, that's part of the gratitude. What can we do for others? So we start by pledging 5% of our earnings to? A Special Olympics. And why the Special Olympics? I am a Special Olympic athlete. I will tell you, Brendan, if there was no Special Olympics, there'd be no John's Crazy Socks. So we start there, but we've gone on to create products that raise awareness and celebrate causes and raise money for those causes. So what were the first awareness socks we Very sock, a very first sock is a Down syndrome awareness sock. Down syndrome awareness sock. And who designed that? I did. You mm -hmm. So we have a whole line of Down syndrome products that raise money for the National Down Syndrome Society. In fact, we just introduced our World Down Syndrome Day 
socks because people celebrate down world down syndrome day by wearing crazy socks and we did that in conjunction with down syndrome international and the national down syndrome society uh, but we have autism themed socks cerebral palsy themed socks um all of these raise money for our charity partners we sponsor an autism can do scholarship it's open right now through three scholarships top prize is five thousand dollars all you got to do design a pair of socks right <laughs> you don't have to be a graphic artist none of the previous five winners were so it's that but the most important aspect of our business is and all we want to show the world what people with different abilities can do. So we start with John. Yes. You have Down syndrome. Yes, I do. I have Down syndrome. Down syndrome, I never hold me back. We don't hide you in the back. You're right up front. Right. I, I, I am uh, I am a bit of uh, the business. And what a and face you are. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. <laughs> um, we hire people with different abilities. So more than half of our colleagues have a different ability. And that's not enough. We want to show the world. So we'll create content that we share on our social media platforms. We host tours. We've had more than 2,000 people come through our, our facility. Um, and, and then many more coming through virtual tours. We host work groups. So two work groups here today yes. um, that come in once a week for an hour to two hours to get some work experience. They come from high schools, social service agencies. What's really important is somebody with a different ability to see someone who looks like them working. It's it sends a, a message of encouragement and hope. Yes, there are jobs out there for me. And then we do speaking event, you know, events. So we're really appreciative of you having us on your podcast. How cool is this? Mm -hmm. We travel the country giving speeches, right? Right. You like doing that. It is, yeah. Across the US, Canada, Mexico, uh, we've spoken around the world virtually. And then the last part of that is advocacy work. Um, you've had some you know, great leaders on your podcast, right? Um, people will listen to us because of the business. And that creates an obligation on our part to speak up. So was it last week we had Congressman Lovana in, um, came for half an hour, he spent an hour and a half. We wanted him to see what our colleagues do. And then we were able to talk to him about legislative changes, uh, like changes in the SSI asset limits, and eliminating the sub-minimum wage. Um, we're going back to Capitol Hill on, down, on World Down Syndrome Day. Yes. You know, you've mentioned we've testified twice before Congress. Uh, we have to add, we were not subpoenaed. <laughs> so you take all of that, you roll it up, and you get John's crazy socks. So when people buy from us, they get great socks. They get socks they can love that let them express themselves. But they help us hire, employ people with different abilities. They help us give back. Most of all, as as happiness, spreading happiness. Lots, a lot to unpack there. Um, let's see. I had several questions pop into mind as you were speaking. Um, 
if a business is resistant to adopt a more inclusive workforce, what would you tell them? They're going to hurt themselves. <laughs> you, 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 and we're, we're in agreement. Hiring people with differing abilities is not altruism. It's good business. We never make the moral argument when we think that's self-evident, but we will show how it will help a business get ahead. Um, yeah, I'll give, I can start with our business. So we run our own, we do our own fulfillment day. If you sell online, you have to be able to fulfill orders. Many people outsource that. Um, you, you gotta have a pick and pack warehouse. Orders come in, you pick them, you pack them, you send them out. Well, that's a boom industry. We do our own. There is a growing labor shortage. So there aren't enough people to fill all the jobs in those warehouses. We know we're on Long Island. We know places they lost business because they couldn't get enough employees. Meanwhile, we have more than enough employees. We have a surplus of people applying because we tap into the population of people with different abilities. And be really clear, we don't give jobs to anybody. If you got to know us, you'd find yeah. out that John here is a very nice guy. I am. I am not. If you're going to work for us, you have to produce. So everybody here has earned that job. But that gives us a competitive advantage. But, you know, okay, we're a small business. Let's take a, a larger business. Um, you've probably heard of this software company out of Redmond, Washington, called Microsoft. So they're in fierce competition to hire technical people and programmers. And they start asking, geez, how come we don't hire more people on the autism spectrum? Many of whom are very good with technical challenges. Well, that's an easy one to answer. You work with people with intellectual development disabilities because maybe that person didn't look you in the eye. Maybe that person didn't give you a firm handshake. They're pretty smart people at Microsoft. They start asking, what the heck does a firm handshake have to do with programming? So they change the way they hire people. Now they hire lots of people on the autism spectrum. That gives them a competitive advantage over other tech companies. So that's why you want to do it. You want to do it for what people bring to the table. IBM hired, what was his name? Dylan Ratliff, I think was his name. They sent him to a site, the, a client site that's working on, uh, they use programs for quality assurance. After two weeks, he gets his, the, you know, he's got his team. He, comes together with him and says, would it be okay if I made some changes? He overhauled the software they used, got new patents, and was named Employee of the Year. Why? Because he looked at things from a different perspective. And that enable gave him like special powers to approve an existing product. So there are lots of reasons to do it. Absolutely. Can you shout out maybe uh, some other organizations or businesses that are kind of setting the standard with that? Sure, there are really fabulous places. So um, down in uh, Florida, there's Sunshine Car Wash. Um, 
most everybody who works there is on the autism spectrum. In Atlanta, there's Ventures ATL. They do data entry. They do assembly uh, projects. Um, here in New York, there's Spectrum Design. Um, if you want a logo on something, they will put it on a logo. They do great work. But, you know, take, you know, I mentioned Microsoft, IBM has a neurodiversity program that is now running in 11 countries. Um, Ernst & Young, EY. Um, you know, they, uh, they have some initiatives in their Dublin office. They work with Trinity College on a program and then they hire folks uh, that graduate from a neurodiversity program at Trinity College. The results of that, they've dramatically improved their retention rate. Um, so those are some of the places doing things. Um, it takes a real commitment. Um, you have to pay attention, um, but there's so much misplaced fear and apprehension. Well, here's an example. Uh, you hear, you know, we hear from business owners, business leaders, that they're worried about the uh, uh, adaptations they'll have to make. 56% of people need nothing. Most is minor. At most, it might cost a couple hundred dollars. Okay? So a staffing company like Rangum is able to place people in jobs and fill more openings because of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. Um, it's also, you kind of glanced over the SSI levels. Um, that was something that kind of interested in as well because Social Security... I think for individuals with disabilities, in order to receive their benefits, they currently can't make more than, what, $2,000 a year? Well, here's the bigger picture issue, right? But I'll, I'll drill down on this. We are constantly forcing people with a disability to choose between work and benefits. So you can qualify for SSI, but if you earn too much, you lose your SSI benefits. And there are two parts to SSI. There's the cash benefit and the medical coverage through Medicaid or Medicare. And it's really the medical coverage that matters. Right? I understand the public policy that says, wait a second, if you're earning money, that ought to offset the cash grant. But Medicaid and Medicare pay for things private insurance don't pay for. And it provides um, a constant support. We know of people that have turned down jobs that would come with health insurance because they say, well, wait a second, if something happens and I lose that job, then I'm out. But if I hold on to my benefit, you know, they're afraid. Um, so you have to qualify for SSI. You have to show you have a disability. Your income has to be below a certain level. And your assets have to be below $2,000. That $2,000 limit was set in 1979. I was still rocking out with long hair in Worcester in 1979 in college. This is nuts. Think about it. Imagine somebody getting paid in 1979 and they haven't had a raise since then. So there is a bill in Congress that would raise it to $10,000 and 20000 for a married couple, so there's no marriage penalty. Um, 
But that's an example where we're telling people, if you have a disability, the system is geared to say, we really don't want you to work. And that's awful. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Is that one of the one of the two times that you testified at Congress? Was it related to that or well, something else? It's more generally we we speak to them about employing people with different abilities, um, and there are lots of um, legislative changes, big and small. Uh, one of the things we speak about all the time is the sub minimum wage. So, <laughs> the Fair Labor Standard Act of nineteen thirty eight is a great piece of American history. You want to study political science or history, go look at it. It established a 40-hour work week, eliminated child labor, created overtime. It's a wonderful piece of legislation. But Section 14C of the Fair Labor Standard Act of 1938 allows employers to pay people with a disability less than minimum wage. So the number keeps coming down. At one point, there were hundreds of thousands of people being paid as little as five cents an hour in what are known as sheltered workshops. Perhaps in 1938, that made sense. In 1938, John would have never made it out of infancy. But now it's, it shouldn't exist. So we, we work with many others advocating overturning that law. It's getting closer. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I know Kim Naxted, who we had on the podcast uh, when she was President Biden's uh, director of uh, disability. She um, talked about spearheading kind of the subminimum wage bill and um, how that was some of the most meaningful work that she was doing during her time um, in the White House. So I think that's a, an essential piece of kind of it's I mean, it, it lowers the expectation that people have for individuals with disabilities as a whole. It's the same thing that we sometimes see in the fitness space when inclusion is perceived as a charitable endeavor. It just marginalizes the population by lowering well, I, expectations. I liken it to, you know, a great stain on, on the Constitution when it was originally passed. It's, it said that if you were black, you were only counted as three-fifths of a citizen, three-fifths of a person. Well, that's what this is saying. You have disability, you don't count as a real person. And that's awful. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that the business wouldn't exist without Special Olympics. John, what is uh what is your favorite event in Special Olympics or sport with Special Olympics? What sports do you play in Special Olympics? Uh, 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 I play basketball, track and field, soccer, and snowshoe. What's your favorite? My favorite is snowshoe. Snowshoe, you like snowshoe? That? Awesome. Not not a great year for snowshoeing weather wise, but um, well, we I, train on the beach. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I I think kind of like like you guys. I don't think my gym would exist without Special Olympics because it was Special Olympics that introduced me to uh, the world of disability as a whole. I don't think I had any exposure to disability prior to volunteering during high school, um, and from there, I just decided I wanted to make. A career out of it so uh yeah so without organizations like that it doesn't only benefit people like john but it completely changed my life as well so yeah uh, everybody is better off i mean that's what we find at work yeah everybody is better off because it's a diverse workplace because you know we i don't we don't have any original ideas 
we take the term from Special Olympics, we refer to this as a unified workplace where people with different abilities and neurotypicals work side by side. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why my gym was called Unified Health and Performance. Uh, definitely, definitely pulled from some of my Special Olympics stuff as well um, when I was when I was opening it initially. So, uh, no, that that's great. Uh, do you pull from some companies like Bombas and other social enterprises? I know Bombas does like a buy a sock, donate a sock. Do you guys kind of draw draw inspiration from any other companies? Well, they're a kind, they're a competitor. So we say their name, we spit on the floor. No, no, no. It, it, you know, it's a big world out there. There's socks for everybody. Socks for everybody, for sure. We do look um, for collaborations. Um, we, we work close with a lot of our charity partners. Um, and we like to promote entrepreneurs that have a different ability. So, for example, every holiday season, we put together a Down Syndrome Super Box that is made up of um, products from companies owned by or led by or focused on people with Down syndrome. We've done um, joint packages and joint products, including one from Boston with Coletti's Cookies. Um, uh, Colette DeVito has a cookie company and she's got Down syndrome. Um, so we look to promote and work with others there. Um, you know, we'll, we work with businesses for speaking engagements and consulting them on hiring people with different abilities. Yeah, absolutely. John, what's your favorite part of working with, uh, working at the company? Um, my favorite part of my company, a speaking engagement, I like to uh, home deliveries, I like to videos. I like to do TikToks. <laughs> I love doing TikToks. I like, I, I, I like, I like ha having a pick of orders. I like, I like have a, um, give I like to, um, on, on, on a dinner party. And, and, and I like to, to sign socks. I like podcasts. I, 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 I like <laughs> Sounds like you like it all. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a very, very, you love your job. That's perfect. <laughs> we were, oh, a couple of weeks ago, we were driving to an early morning speaking engagement. We we're going to speak to this business group. So it's like 7.30 in the morning. And John is not really a morning person. Um, <laughs> and he's looking at his phone, going over his calendar for the day. And then he turns and he looks at me and said, Dad, I love being an entrepreneur. I have mm -hmm. something important to do. From 8 a.m. to 9 o'clock tonight. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, John, do you ever, or Mark as well, do you ever just like kind of sit back and realize how many lives you've impacted and how much like happiness that you've brought to the world? Well, well or what are you most proud of? We're. we're we're incredibly fortunate to get to do what we do. And, you know, from the beginning, when we first tested the idea, it was just the two of us. The thing that surprised us the most, caught us off guard, was the emotional response we got from people that saw a young man with Down syndrome starting a business. And we see it in the tours we have. We hear from customers, families, people that 
after a speaking engagement, come up and speak to us. That motivates us. It's incredibly rewarding, but also we feel pressure of, uh, we've made a big promise to people. We've said, you can grow and you can go and grow a business based on employing people with different abilities. You grow a business in many ways based on love. And we can't let people down. You know, it's like that movie, failure is not an option. Um, so, and you know, running a business can be tough. We're, we've started our eighth year. Most businesses fail within five. So, what are the biggest yeah, lessons well, that you've learned over the last five years, maybe, are the challenges that you guys have faced running the business? Fail fast. Be willing to go out, take chances, learn, fail fast. Uh, we've learned you need capital. You want to grow, you want to be big, you need capital. And that's been a struggle for us at times. Um, and it's because you were successful yesterday does not mean you're going to be successful today. You have to keep doing it. Absolutely. Was COVID a challenge for you guys or were there any benefits that came from that period of time? COVID was awful for us, for our business. Um, so you have to put some things in perspective. We are a very seasonal business. We... Nobody buys anything in January because they spent all their money at the holidays. Then the spring, we usually do pretty well. However, much of that is because of events like World Down Syndrome Day and schools and businesses doing things. And then Autism Awareness Month in April. Um, we've been fortunate with a lot of media coverage. All that got wiped out by COVID. And then you hit the summer, nobody buys, nobody buys socks in the summer anyway. It's awful. Um, and you wait for the Christmas to come back. So, but, but our response to COVID, I think, really shows who we are. Um, first, we had to make sure everybody was safe. Um, our, our colleagues were vulnerable. You know, John, people with Down syndrome were not more likely to get the virus but they were five times more likely to be hospitalized, 10 times more likely to die. Um, so there was, uh, make sure people were safe. See what we can adapt. How do you have to adapt to it? So those tours, we moved them online. To speaking engagements, we moved those online. We made healthcare superhero sites to say thank you to frontline workers. And those raised over $50,000 for frontline workers. And then you look to say, what's new? So we made masks. Yes. Right? And what's our mission? I spread happiness. How do you spread happiness if everybody is locked down and isolated? Well, here's one way. John started an online dance bar, which he runs to this day, and you're going to run this afternoon, three o'clock mm -hmm. Eastern time every Tuesday. What better way to bring people together than a dance party? So yeah, we adapted to COVID. What would you say are your primary goals for the next few years uh, from a business standpoint or a personal standpoint? 
we want to reach more people. We want to reach more people. We got to sell more socks. Yes. Right. Because that lets us hire more people. So we already sell direct to consumers or our website. We are selling to other businesses, right? We make custom socks. Um, everybody from Microsoft and IBM have bought them to local attorneys and accountants and small businesses and membership organizations and nonprofits. Um, we're offering more services there. So now we can offer fulfillment services. And yeah, we have a, a special new customer welcome package we can put together for businesses that want to thank a new customer. We have a membership package for membership organization nonprofits if they want to send that to new members. Um, we have a charity fundraising program. So there's a lot more that we're offering to the businesses and nonprofits, and we're starting to sell into the wholesale channel. So if someone's out there and they have a store, I would like to carry our socks. We can make that happen. That's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll reach some people that are, that are interested with this and we'll definitely share, share all the relevant links and social media channels and websites, et cetera. But, um, one of the, I guess, main themes of the podcast as a whole is how we can make health and fitness more accessible for um, people with various disabilities. Do you have any insights? I know a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is applicable to the fitness industry as well in terms of best practices with hiring, but maybe maybe etiquette, language, expectations. What do you think needs to change to have people like John more well uh, immersed within their communities be more welcoming let's show that we welcome people with different abilities into our gyms um if you lower expectations people will live down to those expectations if you set expectations you can perform you've been working to get in shape right i, I was so you're running at lunchtime yeah doing exercises yeah yes sir um you're going to help dad get back in shape, run marathons again? Yes. You're going to go back to when I could run the Boston Marathon. <laughs> God, that was a lifetime ago. Um, um, but I, you know, so I, I liken it to jobs. I used to think we needed to create more jobs for people with different abilities. I think that's wrong. The jobs are there. We just have to recognize that people with different abilities can fill them. And it's kind of that way in the fitness industry. Let somebody come and, you know, uh, participate or join the gym. Um, accommodations, you make accommodations for gym participants all the time. Yeah, yeah that's one of the main things we try to communicate is that there's way more similarities and differences. Um, yeah. For some reason, people associate disability with injury and think that disability should be reserved for a rehabilitation setting, but we've found so much value in just making it seamlessly integrated within our facility that it benefits uh, the adaptive athlete, it benefits uh, our entire population. But um, yeah, I think it's it's uh, been a very rewarding career. I hope uh, I'm able to promote more inclusive gyms in the same way that you guys are able to pr uh, promote more inclusive workforces. But uh, I'm running Boston in April, pushing J 
Jacob, oh, <laughs> pushing Jacob, uh, who has Down syndrome in a wheelchair. So uh, maybe I'll have to pick up a pair of uh, Down syndrome awareness socks to run the marathon in. Well, I have to send that to you. <laughs> I'll have um, to pick it up. That's, uh, well, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, you're doing it by showing. And the more that people see that, right? Showing is always better than telling. So the more that people see you welcoming folks with all sorts of physical or intellectual challenges to your gym, the more that people see us employing, the more likely they'll be willing to do it. I think that's a, uh, a good thing to wrap up on. John, Mark, thank you. Uh, really appreciate the time that you guys took today and sharing your story. Uh, I look forward to sharing it with our audience. Well, you want to tell folks where can they find us? Yes. I'll go at John's crazy socks.com. John's crazy socks.com. Where can they find you on TikTok? John's crazy socks as well. Yeah. And we're on all the social media platforms. Um, just look for John's crazy socks. And if you want to get a hold of me or John, we're both on LinkedIn. I'm the only Mark X Cronin on LinkedIn. We don't want to be smirched the other Mark Cronin. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, John, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you uh, taking Thank the time you. today out of your busy schedule. Thanks, Brandon. You're a great entrepreneur. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the AdaptX podcast. Our effort to amplify the ideas of our guests and create more inclusive and accessible industries is futile unless these episodes reach a larger audience. If you enjoyed our discussion today, please leave us a rating or a review on whichever platform you use. And if you would like to learn more about AdaptX, the course that we teach to health and fitness professionals and the projects that our organization is working on, you can subscribe to our newsletter through our website, www.adaptx.org. Until next Monday.